the Healing with Hydrogen podcast. Brought to you by H2 Minutes. Healing is the process of making or becoming sound or healthy again. This podcast is all about how hydrogen gas can aid to that process. This season is Healing with Hydrogen 101. And this is episode four, where we are taking small talk to a whole other level. Talking about how small molecular hydrogen is and why it is important. Thanks for listening. Let's go. What's up, what's up, what's up? This is your boy, Taiwan Hubbard, and this is the Healing with Hydrogen podcast brought to you by H2 Minutes. Uh, in this episode, episode four, we're going to be talking about how small is molecular hydrogen and why that is important. So, Kayla, can you go ahead and give us a recap? Okay, so the last two episodes, we discussed in depth what hydrogen is and um, also what molecular hydrogen is. And we um, talked about how small it is and we gave you the size and the weight and everything. And so that was kind of basic information. This episode, we want to dive a little bit deeper into the size of molecular hydrogen and really give you some examples to really wrap our minds around how small H2 is because it is really quite fascinating when you put a picture to it to really help understand how small it is. So we're going to we're going to give you a bunch of examples to understand um, how small it is. And then at the end, we're going to explain some reasons why this is important. Um, why is it important that it's so small? Tawan, what's the first example we have for them? For our first example, I think uh, this one's really cool. And I think it's going to be exciting. It's going to be mind blowing. Uh, so the first thing you want to do is to get a single strand of hair. So go ahead and pull one off the top of your head. Um, and uh, you will want to take that single strand of hair um, and you can hold it horizontal or vertically. I think the example works better if you hold it vertically. Uh, and then um, if you don't have any hair, single strand of hair, um, go ask your lady or find someone or when you actually can get access to some hair, go ahead and get a strand of hair and look at the width of the single strand of hair. It's really, 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 really tiny uh, to look uh, a single strand of hair, the width of a single strand of hair. But uh, across the width of a single strand of hair, you can fit approximately 3 million H2 molecules across the single width of a uh, across the width of a single strand of hair. Uh, even uh, that example is that example is mind blowing. Uh, and even with that example, it's still hard to fathom that there's something that small that you can fit three million of them across the width of a single strand of hair. So that. Um, is how small molecular hydrogen is. I mean, just for reference again, uh, we discussed this in our last podcast, I think in the first one too, um, but a molecular hydrogen size is about 50 picometers wide. So um, a picometer is a trillionth of a meter. So that is uh, the, our first example. And it's always been a mind blowing thing whenever we've done it with people. Wow, that is crazy that it's so tiny. Yeah, it it's it's pretty remarkable when you step back and think about it. Um, and it took a whole lot of math <laughs> on our end 
to figure that out. But uh, it was a good learning experience and it was quite re rewarding because now we actually have an example that can, an everyday example that could give somebody a, at least a closer perspective of how small molecular hydrogen really is. So for our next example, it's going to take a little bit of picturing, like getting a picture in your head of what we're talking about. So let's start with, we just have a glass of water. Say we have a glass of water, um, 500 milliliters or 16 ounces um, of water in this glass. And in this water, there's a hydrogen concentration of 1.6 milligrams per liter or PPM. And what is that? That's um, yeah, it's parts per million. It's just a way of measuring the concentration of a of a solute or something in water. Right, um, and and one point six. That's like yeah, that would be hydrogen's level of saturation under normal atmospheric conditions. So basically, if you took a glass of water and you put hydrogen gas into it. Um, to the point to where there no more hydrogen gas could get dissolved into the water, the final concentration would be 1.6 milligrams per liter or ppm. That's just its normal saturation level under normal atmospheric level I mean, uh, conditions. So basically, this would be a normal, you know, glass of of hydrogen water. So it's not crazy levels and it's not low levels it's just to give you a picture of what yeah, we're talking be about saturation or where, where it is um at saturation so is that a lot of hydrogen in in this water well um that would be a good concentration for molecular hydrogen dissolved into water but compared to other gases that um, can be dissolved into water it's it's a really low um, hydrogen has a really low solubility compared to other ones so um, for instance, like carbon dioxide for, um, has a very high solubility in water, meaning you can get a very, very high concentration of carbon dioxide to dissolve into water. So everyone's kind of aware of soda or pop. Um, uh, whether you're a, a Pepsi fan or a Coca-Cola fan, uh, really doesn't matter. Both of them have carbon dioxide to give you the fizzy uh, sting when you drink it. Um, and that's because it has a whole lot of carbon dioxide dissolved in, in, into the soda. For a point of reference, um, your average can of pop, let's say Coca-Cola, um, is going to contain about 6,000 milligrams per liter or ppm. That would be almost roughly around 2,000 to 3,000 milligrams of carbon dioxide dissolved into that can. For reference, maybe, you know, it has about 6,000 uh, times the amount of carbon dioxide can be dissolved into water as compared to um, hydrogen gas. So compared to other gases, it seems rather, rather low. Um, or I shouldn't say seems, it is low um, mm -hmm. compared to other gases. So now let's direct that attention back to our glass with the 1.6 milligrams per liter of hydrogen gas dissolved into it. And we actually, well, I didn't actually, Taiwan actually calculated how many approximately hydrogen molecules would be in that glass. And like you said, this is a small amount of gas dissolved into the water, especially compared to um, sodas or carbonated drinks. So Taiwan, how many approximately hydrogen molecules would be in that glass? 
Yeah, so um, before I give the answer, uh, I think it's important to note, like we've said in previous um, podcasts, that because um, molecular hydrogen is such a small molecule and it's low in its molecular weight, uh, it can be quite deceiving um, because it doesn't, um, because molecular hydrogen, um, it requires a lot of it to actually weigh a lot. So uh, although 1.6 milligrams per liter seems like a very tiny amount of hydrogen, um, it would actually contain about 212 quintillion H2 molecules in that glass of water uh, to actually reach 1.6 ppm. Uh, and so that's a really big number. Uh, and so for a point of reference, that's 212 with 18 zeros following it. Yeah, that's a crazy big number. It, it's, it's uh, yes, it, it is a, it is a crazy, crazy big number. <laughs> so if anybody has um, drank hydrogen water before or they're f familiar with hydrogen water, like you see a bunch of bubbles a lot of times in your hydrogen water, like those bubbles are not showing you <laughs> yeah. all the hydrogen in there. Um, there's plenty of hydrogen in there you don't see. And even in those bubbles, like think about how many um, hydrogen molecules can fit across the width of a hair. So imagine how many hydrogen mo molecules are in those bubbles you see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A crazy amount of hydrogen bubbles. And what we're talking about, like Caleb just said, we're talking about these are the bubbles you can't see. Right. This is not the the bubbles that you see that eventually just um, dissipate out of the water because they float to the top and then hydrogen escapes. These this this um, these are the hydrogen gas molecules that are contained in bubbles that are dissolved into the water. They are stuck in there. They're they um uh. They're invisible to the naked eye. You can't see them. And so this, this is that amount that mm -hmm. we're talking about. So we're going to take it a step further and take that glass, that 16-ounce glass of hydrogen water, and we're going to just take a teaspoon out of that, teaspoon of that water out of that glass, and then see how many H2 molecules would be in just that little teaspoon. How many H2 molecules would be in that little teaspoon? Yeah, so in that teaspoon, there would contain 2.2 quintillion H2 molecules. Um, that is still an insane amount of H2 molecules that would be contained in that teaspoon of water. Yeah, so we want to help you kind of get your mind wrapped around how many H2 molecules that is in that little teaspoon. So we have some fun examples to explain that. Yeah. So let's pretend, let's let's be like kids with big imaginations today. Let's pretend that every single hydrogen molecule in that little teaspoon at 1.6, that's important because it would be a whole different number if it was like 3.0 milligrams per liter. It has, we have to remember that this is 1.6 milligrams per liter or PPM. So. We're going to take every H2 molecule in that little teaspoon and we're going to turn it into pennies. You mm -hmm. got that? You got that in your mind? Okay. So 
Let's talk about how many pennies that is. That would be enough pennies to cover the state of Kansas how many times? Yeah, 3,192 times. That's pennies touching each penny. So yes. we're talking about a layer back to back of pennies. pennies. Back to back pennies. Or the actually, state of Kansas. Yeah, pennies touching pennies over the whole surface of Kansas. This is every square mile of, of Kansas. We're, we are from Kansas, by yeah. the way, if you didn't yes. already know that or yeah, wonder why. Why in the heck are they yeah, are talking the random, about Kansas? That's Kansas, a random bro. state. <laughs> yeah, so each penny touching each penny um, covering every square mile of Kansas. So every every surface area. Uh, it would cover Kansas 3,192 times. Um, that is also about 16 feet high or tall, or for those who are not here in the United States, that is almost five meters high. So that is ridiculous. <laughs> that is a ton. That is a crazy amount of pennies. To give a little perspective, it takes about six to eight hours to drive across, across Kansas, um, including stops and depending on location and all that and stuff so like just to give you a picture of the size of the surface we're talking about yeah yeah like yeah and that's like cruising on, the, on like the main highway like <laughs> i-70 here going like 70 or 80 miles an hour uh the whole time you know yeah so uh it's not it's not obviously the biggest state but it is a big area <laughs> right you know well, so then let's take that a step further, and and would that many pennies be able to cover the unti the entire United States? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, for instance, if we were to take two point two quintillion pennies, it would cover the United States sixty nine times, or that would be sixty nine layers of pennies over the whole surface of the United States. Um. At 4.14 inches high. So. Yeah. So just get out like a ruler or something and look at what four inches. Mm -hmm. Like that's how many pennies like would be covering the United, the entire United States, entire United States, four inches, 4.14 yeah, inches. inches high. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I didn't realize that 69 pennies would be that tall. I know, right? When you start to do run the numbers. Yeah, it's crazy that that many pennies would average actually cover the United States, the entire United States. Mm -hmm. um, it would cover the continent of Europe 67 times, and it would be four inches high, the mm -hmm. layers of pennies. Mm -hmm. um, it would also cover uh, the continent of Africa. So that many pennies would cover the continent of Africa 22 times at 1.2 inches high. And the whole continent of Asia, it would cover 16 times with um, layers of pennies an inch high. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. So another fun example that we like to do is to talk about how many football stadiums that it would fill that that mm -hmm. many pennies would fill. Um, we used the Dallas Cowboys Stadium because it's a popular stadium. But um, yeah. So how many stadiums would that many pennies fill? 
Yeah, so 2.2 quintillion pennies would fill 351,152 Dallas Cowboys stadiums. That is a lot of stadiums. That's a lot of stadiums. Yes. Uh, And, yeah, it is, like I said, these... Even these examples are crazy lofty. Like, like it's just, they're crazy big. Right. I mean, and so to bring it back home for you guys, we're only talking about a teaspoon. A teaspoon of water with 1.6 milligrams yeah. per liter. Right. Like, like I said, that's like super important because it would be double that. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we had three ppm yeah. in water, like that's, that's crazy. Yeah, so remember, like, we're talking about a teaspoon. Now, to kind of bring it back to blow your minds, this is, hydrogen is so small that that many molecules could fit in a teaspoon. Like, we're talking about pennies. If you take each one of those H2 molecules and make them into pennies, this is the type of surface area it can cover on the Earth. We're talking about Earth. (laughs) (laughs) No, my Earth. Now, if you turn now, like, the example still works the opposite direction. If you turn all those pennies back into hydrogen, it would only take up the surface area of a teaspoon. I mean, and not even the surface area of a teaspoon. It would be, it's, it's able, that many molecules can be dissolved into water at 1.6 ppm into a teaspoon. Okay, so this conversation is all fun and everything, but we need to talk about why this is important um, and if this is important because, I mean... Oxygen can get a lot of places, too, but it doesn't mean it's a good thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, for such a molecule to be small that it can um, go anywhere at once, like, that might not always, that might not be a good thing. Mm -hmm. You you might not want that to get everywhere. Yeah. Or it might not even make a difference. So why do we talk about hydrogen being so small like this? And what is so important about it? Yeah, I think there's a couple different things we probably need to touch on, and we'll touch on in more depth in later episodes. But I think the first thing, like you're talking about, like with oxygen and thing, I mean, we're talking about basically, in essence, bioavailability, like how hydrogen can go from this molecule that's in the glass now getting into your body and needing to go the places where it needs to go to induce therapeutic effects. And this is with anything. I mean, this is like with medicine or food or or um, other antioxidants. Like these things basically, um, I mean, there's ways that obviously we synthesize certain things, uh, make our own antioxidants and stuff. But like a lot of our nutrients start on the outside of us and they got to go and get onto the inside of us and get to where they need to go. Um, and so this is why it's so important because bioavailability really two factors that are crazy important for it is the size of something and the particular molecule or whatever it is its composition or its charge and so like when it comes to hydrogen its size is so small that there's like why we talked about there's nothing smaller than it um as a biomolecule there's there's no other molecule that is as small as hydrogen gas right um and then number two is neutral in its charge, which we talked about in its, in, in, in the last uh, episode. Um, and so because of these two characteristics, hydrogen can go wherever it wants to in your body. Um, it has no problem 
um, diffusing any of your barriers in your body. And in fact, it has been demonstrated that it has the highest diffusion rate out of any molecule in the universe. And what I mean by diffusion is that it 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 doesn't struggle struggle to get through any of the barriers um in your body um it literally just goes right through it um and so for instance everybody's kind of most people are familiar kind of with the blood brain barrier that's a popular barrier in your body hydrogen can get through that barrier there's also the intestinal barrier that's in your body right to protect um to protect your system uh, hydrogen gets through that barrier is your skin barrier um, that's critically important to keep things that are environmental um, that are on the outside the environment uh, that could be hazardous to your body hydrogen just diffuses through every single last one of these it, it just has no issue with getting anywhere it needs to in your body or diffusing any barrier it doesn't matter whether it's the testis barrier the placenta barrier um, your lung barrier, it, it, it really doesn't matter. And not only that, they've been seeing that hydrogen also can get into the tiniest of compartments of the cell. And so I'm talking about like the mitochondria and the nucleus. Um, and because hydrogen appears to have these therapeutic effects where it's, it's an antioxidant-like effects and it's anti-inflammatory effects and it's anti-cellular death effects, you want this little molecule to get to these places. Um, and if it couldn't, then we would we would we would we would be sad. <laughs> we would be sad because it it you you want this little molecule to get to where it needs to go so it can give these type of effects. And so I think that's why it's so important hydrogen being small, um, and it being um, neutral and it's charged and non toxic. So I did have a couple quotes. Um, Kaylee, could you go ahead and read some quotes for us? Yeah, um, this one, it says, Nonpolar neutral H2 is assumed to have health benefits facilitated by its passive diffusion across the human body immediately after administration and is considered a safe, therapeutic, inert gas that does not interfere with physiological enzymatic reactions. Mm -hmm. What about that other one? This one says, The antioxidant advantages of H2 gas included Number one, it's high biomembrane penetration and intracellular diffusion capability, which enable it to reach subcellular compartments like mitochondria. What about that last one, too? Oh, yeah, this one, it says, since molecular hydrogen can penetrate cell membranes due to its electrical neutrality and low molecular weight, many studies have suggested that hydrogen gas can diffuse into organs immediately after supply. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know, right? And and um these are just a few quotes I've been able to 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 pull. Uh and it really didn't take all that much time to even find them. It's it's such an important quality of molecular hydrogen. Um can you read that last one too? We have one more. Uh it kind of talks about the barriers. Mm -hmm. It says molecular hydrogen has superior distribution properties due to it being small, electrically neutral, and nonpolar. Thus, H2 can easily penetrate biomembranes such as the blood-brain barrier, placental and testes barrier, and reach target organs, e.g. brain, and organelles, e.g. mitochondria, nucleus, etc. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a, an extremely important um, 
property of molecular hydrogen and advantage. Um, that's something that we see. In, in, something that we've seen in one of the quotes, which talked about it being its antioxidant um, abilities. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later in the later on in the podcast. But um, there is quite a bit of an assumption that just because you take some antioxidants, it's going to get where it needs to go. Mm. Uh, but uh, hydrogen, this is one of its primary advantages: is that it's small and it has a high rate of diffusion, um, or basically being able to go where it needs to go. Uh, to be able to induce therapeutic effects. And so just to show you uh, that this concept is not just for hydrogen. This is this is for um, pharmaceutical drugs. This is for um, drug transport as far as like trying to get, um, let's say, transdermal, um, talking about basically sending medicine through your skin. Like all these different areas um, are very important when it's when we're talking about bioavailability, size, and charge. And so we do have a couple quotes. Um, Kayla, can you read? Um, can you read some of these quotes that are talking? These are from other store, other studies that are not connected to hydrogen therapy. Yeah. So this is an article discussing transdermal delivery of medicine across a skin barrier. It says the mechanisms involved in transdermal drug delivery applications depend on the formulation of nanocarriers. In particular, factors such as chemical composition, surface charge, number of lamella, and particle size must be carefully considered. So, as we see in this quote, they just say chemical composition, surface charge, and the size of the particle all have to be carefully considered when discussing how to actually get through the skin barrier. Okay, so this article is discussing the translocation of nanoparticles of plastic across the intestinal barrier. It says, in several studies, polystyrene MPs have been shown to translocate across in vitro intestinal barrier models. And this translocation depended on NP characteristics like size, charge, and surface chemistry. Right. So um, this one, as she was saying, has to deal with the intestinal barrier and plastic nanoparticles. So that's what NP stands for. Um, and these nanoparticles being able to translocate or go across the intestinal barrier are highly depend on characteristics of the nanoparticle of its size is charge in the surface chemistry that's happening at the actual intestinal barrier. So um, that is another study that's in the same vein discussing bioavailability, being able to actually get across these barriers in, in, in the human body to be able to induce therapeutic benefits. But this last one was obviously connected to a negative. Mm. <laughs> uh, plastics actually hurting us. Uh, and so uh, we actually have one last quote. Go ahead and read that quote for us. It also deals with the intestinal barrier. Beyond those strategies applied above to optimize the efficacy in oral delivery, often the tuning of physiochemical properties like electrical property and particle size is necessary. Surface charge plays a critical role in the uptake of nanoparticles because of the anionic intestinal barrier. Exactly. Um, as we see here, um, the intestinal barrier can have a negative charge. That's what that word anionic means. And because of that, certain particles have a tougher time getting across across it. Uh, and so um, these areas around size and charge plays a big deal. So to bring that 
back full circle for us. Hydrogen, the smallest. And number two is neutral. It's neutral in its charge. It's nonpolar. It has no issues getting across any barriers. It just immediately goes through. It's almost like hydrogen has hydrogen has the master key for all these barriers. It's just, <laughs> or maybe it doesn't even need a key. It just it just goes right through and says hello to every single cell in your body um, because it doesn't have any issues with passing through um, passing through these barriers. Thank thank goodness that molecular hydrogen is actually good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for the body, it would be very bad. It would be terrible if it was if it was a bad molecule, right? Because um, yeah, then it can go wherever it wants and cause whatever damage it wants to cause. That's a funny thing, though. Like we were just talking about before we were recording about oxygen, and and everybody knows like how critical how oxygen critical is. oxygen is. I mean, that's a given, right? But that the oxygen oxygen molecule can hurt you or it does hurt you tell them about what you were telling me about what our body does with oxygen so that it doesn't yeah well us. yeah i mean well i mean it's pretty obvious that like you said we we need oxygen oxygen is critical we you, know, you hold your breath for a few minutes and you're going to find out how well actually if you do hold your breath um, it's not just you're dying because you're not receiving oxygen but because you're not expelling the co2 but um it is it is critical. Without oxygen, you will die. Uh, but also, oxygen is an oxidizer, and we know that these uh, oxygen um, produces, or is part of the process of producing free radicals, or a reactive oxygen species. And so, one of the ways that hyd- one of the ways that hydrogen, one of the ways that um, our bodies um, deal with oxygen and and protects us from the damaging effects is that it transports it by hemoglobin in red blood cells. Um, and so it binds it to hemoglobin and then releases it sort of so the cells can get it. And so we can, this is why we can look and see our O2 saturation at, let's say, 98%, right? Like, um, that oxygen is, is, is actually being held, um, by hemoglobin to protect us from the effects of oxygen too. So, um, it's pretty awesome when you actually think about it, like the mechanisms that your body's doing to handle this molecule that is absolutely needed for us to live. Right. In the and, same breath. And so I asked protecting us. Yeah. And so then I asked from it, I asked him, um, so it doesn't do anything with hydrogen when hydrogen goes in. I don't know why I didn't know this before, but I was like, so I, what happens with hydrogen? We don't have anything that, um, deals with that and remember what you said yeah i just said hydrogen walks right in it just it doesn't it doesn't doesn't need said hydrogen goes wherever it wants it to go. goes wherever it wants to go it doesn't need permission it just goes right into <laughs> where every place permission. it goes um which is pretty amazing considering the fact that that's not what other things can do right which also lets you know that our bodies it's not like a foreign substance they're not like, oh, what is this? Let mm-hmm. let me protect itself. Like mm-hmm. it just like, oh, hey, come on in. Well, yeah, I think we're going to talk more about that in other episodes too. But hydrogen is 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 actually native to the native to the human body, not because we have any kind of ways to naturally produce it. As far as like, we don't we don't have any hydrogenase enzymes. Our cells don't produce it, but our gut does. Mm-hmm. And so that hydrogen from our guts can find its way into our blood and around our bodies too. So 
Uh, but we got we got way more information to talk about that at, a, at another day mm-hmm. and another time. So why is this important in comparison to other things like vitamins and antioxidants and nutrients and and things that our body needs? It's been demonstrated um, quite a bit. And to keep the podcast simple um, so we don't have to go too much in depth, but that you know, certain antioxidants or vitamins and things can't get to certain places. So for example, um, like hydrophilic, meaning um, dissolves easier. So so basically hydrophilic antioxidants, let's say like vitamin C, right? It likes to dissolve into water. Um, like hydrophilic antioxidants get hanged up on the outside of cells. Like they can't get in without, generally without some kind of being transporter. And the same thing with, um, Lipophilic, basically antioxidants like vitamin E, they like to dissolve into oils or fats. Um, they need transporters as well. And so like transporters more and like and I guess what I mean by that is being able to a mechanism the cell has to be able to take the antioxidant from the outside of the cell into the inside of the cell. And even with that, there's still mechanisms that might limit it or there's still ways that might limit it from getting, let's say, into the mitochondria. <laughs> so. Um, just because we dump antioxidants into our bodies doesn't mean that they can get to the target area where they need to very easily all the time. Um, and this is very important for things like the blood brain barrier, your brain. Um, there are many different antioxidants or compounds that can't get across that barrier. So, um, in other words, hydrogen can go where other antioxidants can't, um, and this is a very, very important quality to molecular hydrogen for what we just talked about. Like our brain is one of the most susceptible areas or organ of our bodies to oxidative stress because it requires so much oxygen um, compared to other organs. And so hydrogen um, has shown a very superior um, quality to other antioxidants due to its ability to go where it wants to, regardless of any barriers in the way. <laughs> so in light of that, Kayla, can you go ahead and read some of these quotes for us that I went ahead and grabbed? You can start with the first one. Yeah. So this one says, H2 has capability to penetrate biomembranes and diffuse into the cytosol, mitochondria, and nuclei due to its dis- distribution characteristics, including being able to rapidly penetrate vessel walls and being able to dissolve in water or saline. By contrast, the majority of hydrophilic antioxidants cannot penetrate biomembranes and remain on the surface. Yeah, so this is exactly what I was just talking about. So um, certain antioxidants, um, like we just talked about, like hydrophilic ones, ones that dissolve easier in water, um, uh, struggle or get hung up on the surface. Whereas molecular hydrogen, which although it's not very water soluble at all and it's three times more soluble in fats, uh, it, still, it still doesn't have a problem with diffusing through the barriers and it can be dissolved into water. Um, so uh, it really doesn't have a problem with either or. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it just goes where it needs to go. Um, and that being said, like I said, it is more soluble in fats than it is water. But like this research quote was just discussing, it doesn't have a problem with diffusing into the cytosol of the cell. Kelly, can you go ahead and read the next one for us too? It says, moreover, H2 passes through the blood-brain barrier, although most antioxidant compounds cannot. 
Uh, yeah, I can't stress enough how huge this is because knowing that we have hydrogen being in having its antioxidant-like effects and and its anti-inflammatory effects, you know, and its anti-cellular death effects and its ability to get into the brain and induce these effects. Um, it's just super impressive. <laughs> I mean, that quote said most antioxidants cannot. And you know how huge antioxidants is right now as a business? <laughs> it's billions <laughs> of billions of dollars a business for all for us to dump in antioxidants into our system. You know, antioxidant supplements and stuff like that. And most of I mean, there's quite a bit of data that suggests that antioxidant substances might not even be that good for us. Right. Um let alone we have an understanding of biology now. Um, at least when it comes to the blood-brain barrier, they understand that a lot of antioxidants struggle to even get through that barrier mm -hmm. to benefit our brains. But but hydrogen can. Oh, yeah. By the way, we did a whole series, four-part series on hydrogen in the brain. So yes. That was a lot of work. Go check that out. Hydrogen does more stuff in your brain than you can imagine. <laughs> and we're only we're only we're only on the beginning of this journey when it comes to hydrogen and its effects on our bodies all right Kay. so um can you go ahead and read this quote for us illustration of gaseous diffusion of molecular hydrogen in the cell most hydrophilic compounds retain at membranes and cannot reach the cytosol whereas most hydrophobic ones cannot penetrate biomembranes in the absence of specific carriers in contrast, H2 can rapidly distribute into cytosol and organelles. Yeah, so um, this goes on to stress what we talked about, which is hydrogen has such great advantages to be able to reach wherever it needs to go because of its size and because of its charge. And so this is why it's so important that molecular hydrogen or this video or this podcast. This is why it's so important um, to talk about it because hydrogen size matters. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, size matters. Size matters. Anyway, and so this kind of wraps up this podcast. Uh, I think we discussed all that we really wanted to, um, to be able to highlight the mole molecular hydrogen size um, and why it's so important. In the next episode, we're going to go ahead and discuss the history of hydrogen gas, or I should say the history, the medical history of hydrogen gas, uh, to be more specific. And uh, it stretches farther back than you might assume. So mm -hmm. I think it's a, a good podcast to look forward to. Um, I enjoyed discussing a lot of these different things about the size of molecular hydrogen and uh, today, and I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Stay tuned for next week. We'll see you guys then. Later. Thank you everyone for listening to this podcast. We appreciate you. Make sure that you go to our H2 Minutes channel on YouTube. We have more than 57 full feature videos on hydrogen therapy covering various aspects from its antioxidant functions to anti-inflammatory functions to a host of other things, as well as other misconceptions, um, Q and A's, things of that nature. So please go to H2 Minutes and subscribe to our channel. We would love to have you.